Welcome back to the Turnbuckle Tavern in another edition of our Visits to the Tavern, live from the No Cell Studios. I'm the ace of the tavern, Stephen Acefield, and I'm joined today by a very special guest, Mr. V- Main Event himself, Salvatore, Salvatore Savelli. Thanks for joining me, Sal. How are you doing, man? I'm good, man. Thanks, Steve, for having me. It's been a pleasure. Dude, it's so great to have you on here, and I know you and I have been linking up on Instagram a bit. We were following each other, so I'm really looking forward to getting into the conversation with you about the origins of the of the of the Sal Savelli journey through wrestling. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's it, it's you know, it's a lot for my four years in. So, can't wait. All right, well, let's get into 2022 so far. So it's quickly evaporating, and as we move rapidly into 2023, it probably feels like yesterday that you just graduated from the NYWC Academy. How would you describe the 2022 year thus far? I know we have a couple months left, but how are you feeling about the year as you approach the new one coming up? Yeah, definitely. I think 2022 was very much me establishing who I am as my own independent wrestler, as my own person on on camera and rising to like the top spots of uh, my companies that I've been a part of. So you, you mentioned top spot. Your moniker is Mr. Main Event. What was the influence of that? And I can make my assumptions about it, but l- tell the story out there. Why is your nickname Mr. Main Event? And how do you plan to live up on that for the rest of your career? Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, first off, we always evolve. We always change. We always drop some stuff. So I like to think of anything I do at the moment works for now. And then the next time something better comes, we kind of like put it in the back pocket, what we have right now, and evolve and do our next idea. But the whole Mr. Main event came about where it was like, Basically, 2022 started, um, and I was part of the Psycho Circus match, and then I was part of the Heart and Soul Cup final uh, tournament, all the way to the finals. And I was like out there, and I, I, I felt the crowd there for me. You know, like no matter what, they kind of like gravitated to me. They always reacted to me. So it kind of came about. It's like the whole whenever somebody, you know, pays for a ticket, they see me and they get their money's worth. Or it's like I'm always doing something in a in a big spot on the show that leads to a story down the line. Absolutely. And then they say the main event is the best match on the card, not only the one that closes it. So, you know, living mm-hmm. up to the moniker is a lot of pressure, but I love it. And I like when you're introduced at Outlaw Wrestling when I saw you live. Uh, the other thing I saw you introduced to, I think it was at the CZW Dojo, they were introdu- introducing you as every man's favorite wrestler or something like that. I, I, under, I don't think I've heard it lately, but it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was uh so like as we go to different companies, like you just do what they want and it's cool because kind of back to the territory days, everybody's like the local, they see something different. So over there when I was doing Dojo Wars, it was kinda of like basically trying to find something that was different so they can use for their product. I didn't really want to give the same thing because they were looking for something different. So they had so many people doing different stuff. And like they're very athletic, they're very uh, deathmatch, hardcore, and um, I can do a lot of stuff, but I do like traditional uh, wrestling. So they were like, "Let's just roll with this for now." Awesome. So let's go with the New York Wrestling Connection and the Outlaw Pro Wrestling. You are working as a heel. So when when that first started, what was something that was more challenging than you expected? I mean, it feels easy to get people to boo, but I'm sure you found it's a little bit harder than you originally thought. Yeah, uh, different times. Like, personally, I think the whole curtain-to-curtain interaction, I find it very easy. I can get people to react however I want them to, depending on the character. But it's usually, like, 
when we're at intermission and like I have my parents there and I'd like to go out and see my parents, but I'm a bad guy and I just had a brawl with this guy in the locker room. So I just don't, I don't get to go out and uh, see my, my family and my friends that come to see me. So that's, that kind of like hurts a little bit, but it is what it is. It's part of it. Yeah, I mean, I did notice that the you know all the independent shows that I've been attending, Create a Pro, and also MYWC Outlaw, everyone is sort of a big family and taking you taking apart the ring, putting it together. You guys are all part of that, so it's got to be hard to keep character after you just got you know done you know low blowing somebody and talking trash to them, and then you're there like doing all the the hard work, showing like taking apart the ring. It's awesome, but yeah, you talked about you know heat and getting heat. In your own words, what is getting genuine heat mean to you as a wrestler that's working heel and trying to get people to react a certain way? Yeah, definitely. It, it's just basically um, not getting cheap heat, meaning like every, anybody can go out and flip off the crowd. And like, obviously, if you get flipped off, you're going to get mad. But like, that's so cheap. Like, you got to like figure out different ways to do stuff. Or even if you can just like walk out there, and you're stone cold, and they just don't like how you look. They don't like your face, and they're already booing you. <laughs> That's my favorite heat, because I already have you. Now, no matter what I do, you're going to hate me, just because, like, if you don't like how I look, or if you don't like my demeanor, that's it. Like, you're not going to like what I do. Yeah, man, it's awesome. I mean, you mentioned cheap heat. You could mention their town sucks. You could talk about the food in their whatever in their hometown. And all you can talk about their local teams when you're out, in a, you know, out somewhere like you go to Connecticut or something. You can talk about how Long Island is better, but the immersive heat, as I like, you see guys like MJF. He comes to mind. Like he lives the gimmick. He tries his best to make you believe he is that guy. And I thought I saw a lot of that from you when I was starting at Outlaw Wrestling, and I was drawn to your in-ring interactions with the fans at ringside, in between bell to bell, even when you're out, you know, just waiting for the other guy to come out. You leaned into being a bad guy. Is my point. And garnered true reaction, and that's what really drew me to you. And I, I had to find you on Instagram, and you and I were interacting. Is there Thanks. advice you have for someone that's trying to be a good heel? You mentioned stay away from the cheap heat, but is there something more specific you can tell them? Um, you know, I, I don't want to be that guy that like here's my advice, kid. Because I'm still very young, very green in the business too. But what works best for me is just right before you walk out there, get your character on, get your in your game and when you walk out there you just have to make eye contact with the people because then eye contact draws you so i make eye contact with the people and whatever i say or whatever i do they're locked on to me so they're already invested you know as long as you get them invested it's it's pretty much easy at that point awesome advice i mean that's you get people drawn in especially there's some drinking going on. I know Great South Bay at Outlaw. People are a little little tipsy, and they have a couple beer muscles going, so it creates a really fun environment. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so you've been making some other media rounds, and you've been on Man Bun Jesus TV with Man Bun Jesus uh, as the pledge. So what is that experience like, especially getting to show a different creative side than you probably used to in the indies with some of the best guys in New York, uh, New York Wrestling Connection? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I love Man Bun. He's one of my best friends, uh, one of the boys. So the pledge gimmick is very funny because he's a part of Control Your Narrative. And he told me, he was like, Sal, come with me on this little three-day tour. Uh, just like get, get in front of their faces and do something. I was like, I don't think so. He told me, come. So I went. It was when they did Cleveland, Ohio. And the next day they were in Detroit, Michigan. And the day after that, they were like right outside of Milwaukee in Wisconsin. 
and I was in front of EC3, and I cut a promo, and he liked the promo, and then he had an idea because we have this uh, this putter character, very frat gimmick. So he said, "Just be putter's pledge for the day," and we went out there. It was a, it was a six man tag, and we got to the back, and he was like, "That's great. This is a great group." So. He invited me to continue working on Pledge with the company. And we just thought it was funny because, like, it's like it bounced <laughs> Man Bun's character and Man Bun's, like, his joking personality. So the Pledge gimmick started out for Control Your Narrative, but it kind of, like, went into the content side of his creative uh, YouTube channel. And it's just, like, us ba- uh, going back and forth with, with the jokes. It's all real. It really is real. <laughs> So they're going back to Canada in October. Are you attending that? I saw you tease it on Twitter. Is that official? Are you going to be on the card? Or is that something you're just wishing to do right now? Well, as of right now, I am going to Canada. I'm going to see what happens if I'm on or if I'm not on. But that's just one of the things is that you got to take risks. Like I took the risk with the three-day tour back in, uh, I want to say it was May-ish. I, I can't remember. But before the summer. But it's just another opportunity that I had to go and see. Just get in front of their face and... If I wrestle, I wrestle in a different country. That's an that's an awesome mindset. I mean, that you got to take the risk. You got to put yourself out there. And here I am on a podcast with a microphone in front of me, putting myself out there. And same thing goes applies to anything that someone's passionate about. Uh, going back to New York Wrestling Connection, you've developed quite the rivalry with Jaden Vallo. And I think back to your match in May at Master of the Mat in the finals of the Heart and Soul Tournament. Fantastic match, by the way. You guys have this chemistry in the ring and I'm, I'm going back on on this channel we're doing shot nostalgia 1996 for wcw so see a lot of dean malenko eddie guerrero uh ray mysterio those guys seem to like they can't have a bad match and you and Jaden Vallow feel like you're connected in a lot of ways in that way you guys just like speak to each other with for whatever reason in the ring it's awesome so what has it been like to work with him so frequently and what would you say you have taught each other throughout both of your early careers yeah, well, first of all, thank you. Uh, appreciate that. It means a lot. But yeah, working with him, it's because uh, we're so close in age. He's like a year and a half older than me, and we both share the same amount of passion. Like, I'm very passionate uh, for the business, but that guy right there absolutely loves it. Like, this is him 100%. So to have somebody like that uh, to work with and to work off of, it, it's just like a match made in heaven, you know? But it's very easy because uh, we trained together we, we came from the same uh, upbringings so it you know it's just it's really fun Jaden Val is the I'm gonna say the best wrestler that I've got to work with uh, he's really talented yeah he's fantastic and I'm, I had the honor of meeting him back at Outlaw Pro Wrestling and seeing him on AEW Dark and he seems to get that call anytime they're in the in driving distance from him so he's always posting stories and in those matches enhancement talent. He's been security guard and stuff. So that's been really cool to see. And I know, I know those opportunities are coming your way soon. So I can't wait to see you do that as well. Um, You've been predominantly booked for two promotions. We we mentioned CZW and the dojo wars, but it's mostly been New York wrestling connection, outlaw pro wrestling. Um, Is it really a, is there a big difference between the two promotions in your approach leading up to that weekend? Or is it just, is a matter of who you're working with? Um, I feel like there is a very big difference. Um, Outlaw is, they and they just recently said it, but you could tell just off the product. It's like giving, you know, they always invite legends back on, always. So it's like, 
even at the backstage, like being in the same locker room as these legends and having them like give you advice or like sometimes they'll go out of their way to produce your match for you. And it's just it's just a different mindset because you have to go in and you have to take your the advice that you got and try to like apply that. And if it works, you just got that much better. So this way when I go to New York Wrestling Connection where it's a very school based promotion and very local, I'm just that much better. And then also in me taking that advice and being that much better, I help the people that are coming up new, like the new students from the past year or so, and I'm working with them, I just elevate them. So it's just like a domino effect, but it is very different. A few weeks ago, Man Bun Jesus was on Boulevard Bullies show and they were just chatting it up, but he had mentioned that he takes, he's pretty much booked out for the rest of the year and he'll take big and small bookings. Is that a mantra you live by too? You just want to get the experience in the ring and surround yourself with as much wrestling as possible? Yeah, definitely. I mean, every once in a while, I'll get a new booking. Um, I, The SAT just had their first uh, Wrestling Is Now show, and it looks like they want to keep inviting me back on, so I just tag that along as another company, another booking. Um, but yeah, it's just the more you go, the more faces uh, see you. Um, it's just a lot better. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a tight, tight-knit click that is the, the group that travels from all these different East Coast promotions. You see a lot of the same faces, and the opportunities present themselves. And really, Long Island is a hotbed of pro wrestling. Whether you go back a few years ago, they just, I mean, think about AEW. We talk about all the guys there, that how many faces are from Long Island. So it says a lot about whether it be Creator Pro, New York Wrestling Connection, all these different schools and these trainers. It says a lot about what we're seeing from Long Island. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Long Island always, uh, if you go back, Long Island produced a lot of uh, greats, you know, Mick Foley, for instance. Right. Uh, Bardona, uh, Hawkins, Brian Myers, like they all came from Long Island. They're all local guys and they got the opportunity and they were on TV for X amount of years. And then now they have their own schools, maybe, where they come in and do the seminars. But Long Island would always be, in my opinion, a hot spot for Yeah, you just cut off for a sec, but I agree. It's a hot spot for pro wrestling. And I and I and we look at guys like MJF and Willow Nightingale, and we mentioned you guys, Jaden Vallow. The, 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 the crop of wrestlers coming through Long Island, it, it's unlike any other place. I know we're biased. I, I live on Long Island myself, and so do you. So yeah. uh, as, as MJF says, it's the greatest place on earth. But yeah. uh, <laughs> let's move back to CCW Dojo Wars. How did that opportunity present itself? Because that seems like a little bit out of the norm like did they send you an email did they someone come up come up to you at one of these other shows and just want you there for these dojo war shows uh so what happened was it was we came back uh 2021 i think it was july or maybe august we went to czw in uh, jersey to train and we just kept on going to train just like i think it was like once every two weeks on a sunday or something and we just kept on getting in front of their faces and just trying to like learn from them and then it was January of 2022, yes, January of this year, they had their combine. So we just sent in our emails, but since we were, like, already training with them for, like, so long, they, right. like, they like, yeah. Um, uh, so we did the combine, and I had a match, and, it, you know, it really didn't live up to what it should have been. So it was, like, Dojo Wars was coming back and making their comeback, and they wanted Dojo Wars to be, like, their uh, developmental so it was more like we want to like help uh, help you find yourself if you want to be a part of like the main roster. Like Dojo Wars is 
the place to be. So I st- I did that. I think I had like four Dojo Wars matches, maybe three. I'm not sure. But yeah, that's how that came about. It's cool to see CZW, and I think about GCW too. There's a huge, I guess, reputation for being a deathmatch company, but there is a lot of technical wrestling that goes on in these companies, mm-hmm. similar to ECW back in the day, where you'd have Sandman and New Jack beating the hell out of each other, but then you'd also have Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero stealing the show an hour earlier with no weapons involved. So I think there's a place for you on those cards. I think it's cool. It's like a, it's a change of pace for the fans. They can't see so many, you know, people getting bloodied up with with barbed wire i think you would fit in there thank you yeah i agree i i think well i agree with the fact that not everybody can get hit with barbed wire all night <laughs> i think you have to build the card you know you have to give them a give them a show give them a gimmick match give them a popcorn match give them like really good matches and then when the main event comes people come to see what they want to see you know yeah wrestling is a buffet and it's best when someone there's something for everybody there and you know, that's what we always say. You want you don't want it all to be technical five star matches, but you also don't want it to be all blood fest. I think it's better better as a buffet. Yeah, definitely. But we talked about all the different places you've been. Let's go back to the beginning. What brought you to want to train to be a wrestler? Were you a lifelong fan watching the product? Uh, and if so, when did wrestling first catch your eye? Definitely. So the very first memory of wrestling I have is Edge and Vicky Guerrero getting married. <laughs> Very first thing I remember. And then it was always, I was like Friday Night Smackdown, like Undertaker coming out and scaring me as a kid. But my mom made me stop watching because I kept on jumping off the couch on the wood floor. <laughs> and then randomly, I was like flipping through the channels like years later. I think it was like 2013. And I think I, I never recognized the company. I'm pretty sure, like looking back on it, it was like Impact, maybe. Right. But I, I was like, oh, wrestling's on. But like, I didn't like it. I was like, this is terrible. I was like, what? <laughs> so I was like, let me go back and watch the real stuff, you know? So I looked up WWE on YouTube, and I did a lot of research. Like, the whole summer of 2013, I just watched it on my phone, and I literally did research on, like, Shawn Michaels and Edge. I was like, what happened to Edge? Undertaker streak, rock, and Cena WrestleMania matches. And then it just... Gradually, 2015 is when I started watching uh, consistently as a real fan. And then I always wanted to wrestle after that. I was like, I think I could do this better than some people. So then I just walked into uh, New York Wrestling Connection because I looked them up on YouTube. I was like, wrestling school's in Long Island. And then Indie Wrestling popped up. And I was like, what? what's Indie Wrestling? So New York Wrestling Connection popped up. It's 15 minutes away from my house. So I called them, and then I was like, uh, asking about training and then i was told the dates to come down so like two months after i called them i went down a training night i i signed a waiver and ever since then i've been a part of it i think tomorrow honestly uh or it's september 18th i uh is my four-year anniversary wow congratulations man that's an awesome story and like it just shows you just take the risk you mentioned going to canada going to different places for control your narrative but you just got to take the risk, make the call and check it out. I know people are a little bit scared to like step, jump right in, but it, it seems like that's exactly what you did. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you mentioned Edge, Shawn Michaels, and I can imagine Shawn Michaels is the influence for the Savelli special with the, the super <laughs> kick, I'm assuming, right? Is that is that a fair point? Yes, yes, 100%. Other wrestlers that are your favorite growing up from 2015 on or other guys influencing your in-ring style or who you just like to watch? Um, I love loved to watch Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins go at it. Loved it. Um AJ Styles because the the height, the size. 
I'm not, I'm not a big guy, but anytime somebody's like, oh, are you worried about your size? I'm like, no, like the greatest wrestler in the world is, is not the biggest either. So I think AJ really inspires me, especially with his career. Like he didn't go straight to WWE. He went everywhere else and made a name for himself and then came into WWE and then even made a bigger name and like actually proved his name. He's a big inspiration to me. That's a that's the harder path because you have to almost prove yourself even more for guys like Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, kind of because he was in Ring of Honor for a bit as Tyler yeah. Black, AJ Styles. You mentioned he went everywhere before that. He spent years in Impact and also with Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling. So you're right, like that almost seasons you in a better way to get you ready for WWE. But they almost don't want that. They want to create you in their little laboratory and create you as these guys like a Roman Reigns that went straight from FCW to who he is now. Like they, they made Roman Reigns as his creator wrestler, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm of the opinion that more wrestling creates better wrestling. We have so much going on right now, whether it be independence or on TV, there's so many options out there. You can go down the list for television, like GCW impact, WWE, AEW, the list goes on. Are you following the, the current product? And if so, like, is there a promotion you lean heavy on? I know you said you didn't like impact back in 2013, but they're doing stuff a little bit different now. What do you? What's your preference as a fan? Um. So since since becoming a worker and actually being a wrestler, it's like it's too much like to consume like on a nightly basis. I gotta watch this this night this night. So I I took a step back from watching, but always keeping up on social media because it's pretty easy nowadays because a match happens and you know the result right away. So um, I would always lean towards. WWE for certain things and other aspects like I like Japan uh, Japanese wrestling I like how they in New Japan the press conference it's like right after the interview, yeah. uh, interviews so it's like you're still in character like 24-7 basically until you're finally like in the hotel room um, AEW does whole press conferences right after the pay-per-views oh boy I think <laughs> yeah so every company has something that I like um, but for me uh probably wwe for the creative because this is a whole entertainment business and i think wwe does creative better than anybody else yeah i mean they do the big stages better than everyone else you look at clash of the castle just that was a huge event that they put on and felt like a big deal and i think that's the one leg up they have on every company as far as wrestling goes you can pick and choose the best wrestlers in the world they're they're everywhere yeah. but as far as production goes wwe is espn they're disney they are coca-cola they are the be-all, end-all. So I agree, man. Presentation-wise, WWE is... No one can touch it. Nope. Uh, so you mentioned other guys. AJ Styles. You probably, this is probably the answer to the question, but I'm going to ask it anyway because there might be some other guys sprinkled in there because I do see some influences from guys like Mr. Perfect, Kurt Angle, uh, other types of wrestlers like that, the technical wrestlers like a Dean Malenko. Uh, who specifically are you pulling tape to fine-tune your in-ring work? Are, is it those guys or is AJ Styles? Who is it? It, it it is actually Shawn Michaels. I I when I envision myself thinking of like spots or like something how to sell, I try to like be a Shawn Michaels mark in the ring. I'll be completely honest. Um, but I did go back. I used to go back and watch Bret Hart all the time. I used to watch um, Owen Hart from time to time. A little tape study. But yeah, Shawn Michaels is actually the guy I go to to study. So this is a good transition to it. This is one of my favorite moves that you do, and I, and I, it's probably a setup move. It, it, it could be a finisher. I'm going to show this clip here quick. Uh, and this very Shawn Michaels-like selling. Oh, 
So even on like the the flip back, you really sell it like you like launched them across the ring. I love that move. What's the inspiration for that move, and who who I guess who are you pulling that from? I I didn't get the video. What, what was the video you showed? Oh, it was you doing the lawn dart to man bun at Outlaw Wrestling. So yeah. you're like carrying him on the shoulder and throwing him there. Yeah, I I don't think maybe I'm wrong when I say this, but I saw Johnny Gargano do that on a takeover. Hmm. I, I I'm pretty sure Johnny Gargano did that, and I loved it. Um, I remember watching it, and I was like, oh, that that, that, was, that was sick. And then I started wrestling. I never did it. And then I was like, uh, wrestling Encore at Outlaw, and I just like pulled it out of the back pocket. I I never done it before. And I was like, let's just wing it. And I remember like launching Encore, and the crowd came up. They even as a bad guy, they were like, oh, what was that? And I was like, it executed okay. He was, you know, he, he didn't he didn't get seriously injured. And I was like, oh, yeah, I think I'm gonna keep that. And I kept on trying it, and everyone said I love it. And I was like, okay, cool. But like the mannerisms after that, I mean, I just try to be engaging. You know, I I, I watch how like the legends did it back then i think their level of selling in the 90s is superior to anything else yeah i mean people have their complaints about the work rate today where they're just doing spot spot they're doing the canadian destroyer into the spanish fly into the whatever if you look at the wrestling like you mentioned the 90s even late 80s it's so simplistic where the selling is so over the top because you have to remember that people are watching from the top of the stands they have to understand how much in pain you are they have to understand like if you're getting, if you're in a headlock, you have to look like you're dying to the guy who's sitting all the rows up that he can. They look like this to you, so yeah, that's what I got from you there. I felt, I felt that because you threw the guy, but it, it took all of your energy to do so. It was awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I like that move a lot. So New York Wrestling Connection's been heralded as a hub to create future stars. We mentioned other guys, other schools on Long Island, Create a Pro. The list goes on, and the resume speaks for themselves at this point because you know we talk about Will Nightingale, we talk about Bull James, all the guys. New York Wrestling Connection has produced. What do you think sets them apart from other training programs, and what what was valuable about that introduction that you had when you first walked in four years ago? Got it. Uh, definitely. Yeah. So first off, I'm sorry if you hear my dog barking. I still live in. <laughs> he wants to be a part of it. It's okay. Um, but yeah, uh, New York Wrestling Connection. Yeah, uh, if you look back at the track record, they did produce a lot of uh, talented superstars. I think uh, it's just the flow of trainers. You know. It started off with uh, Mikey with Breck, and then when he left, it, it was Crusher, and then after Crusher, uh, Bull came in at one point. But I, Bull was my original trainer, so I I, uh, I know Bull on. But yeah, Bull came in, and then the people that Bull were trained by. So like you're getting you're getting information from like everybody. They say if if uh, Taz trained Bull and Bull is giving me advice, I just got advice from Taz. You know, so I think it's 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 literally the 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 chain effect of trainers coming in and doing their part. Yeah. And the ability to accept the knowledge and be a sponge. I think Man Bun Jesus used that in that Boulevard Bullies interview. He said he's a sponge for everyone that's talking to him and taking in all the good from the people that are there willing to give advice. He said EC3 breaks down his matches for him and the guys who give back to the business and eventually you know, you're going to be to a point where you're going to, someone's going to walk into New York Wrestling Connection for the first time and you're going to be that guy for them and you're going to pass on knowledge from the Bull Jameses and also, I guess, in return by proxy from Taz as well. It's like a huge yeah. learning tree. Yeah, that's what it is. It, 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 it feels good too because, you know, you know it's good advice coming from those guys. Yeah, and they've been to the biggest stages and all that. So 
Speaking of big stage, this is probably the biggest stage of your career, and I'll correct me if I'm wrong here. Let's get into it. Next Saturday, September 24th, live from Deer Park, the biggest match on the car, in my opinion. You're taking on Dickie Rods in a last-man-standing match. This is the culmination of a long feud throughout the summer that's become, I would say, personal. We're going to show the promo that you cut on him in a second. Yeah, definitely. What does that match? What does this match mean to you? And tell everyone why they cannot miss the match. Why should they be in Deer Park on that night checking this out? It should be standing room only. This place should be packed out in Deer Park. Um, so everyone thinks uh, it's a culmination of a summer rivalry. But this has been coming for the past four years. Literally, when I started wrestling, uh, Dickie came back to NYWC as one of the trainers or, or a Sunday instructor. Uh, so early on, Dickie was my mentor, and he was even my, my very first uh, intro to the business on, on camera. He was my tag team partner. It was on-the-job training. I would literally text him when I was at school about the matches or whatever. But then it came to a point where like, I, I wanted to go at it with him right right after like our second tag match. Like I, I had enough of him, honestly. But this is four years of the making because the pandemic stopped me. So we came back from the pandemic and everybody's, you know, on their high horses. And I finally have my opportunity at Dickie. And I finally, you know, I finally struck after all this time. So it's four years in the making. And it's going to come to a, to an end on uh, next Saturday. So let's show the promo here. I'm not sure if you're going to be able to see the video. But just know it's the promo you cut where you're wearing the beard. I got the specialist <laughs> yeah. next to you. Uh, it's about a minute long. So for audio listeners, this is uh, what you guys are hearing. Yo, Dickie, do you really think you could beat my boy Sal? Do you not remember what happened the last time we were in the ring together? Dickie, 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 when are we going to get our rematch, bud? Come on, I'm ready to go today. Wait a minute, Dickie, why are you looking kind of small down there? Hey, Dickie, uh, something's wrong with your eyes. You keep looking over here. Whoa, 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 I have a lazy eye. Everybody knows this. We can get it fixed? I'm a grower, not a shoulder. It's, it's totally normal. Hey, you guys have no respect. You have no manners. You're not going to make it anywhere in this business. Dickie, 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 none of, that, none of that stuff matters anymore. Hey, man, it's kind of the new stuff that we got to worry about, not the old stuff. Yeah. Come, on. Come on. You guys aren't listening to me. You're making the same mistakes I made. I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to help you. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. I can't. I'm not joking around. Dicky, this is getting pretty old. No pun intended. August 25th, the end result is going to be the same. Out with the old, in with the new. All right, so out with the old, in with the new. You went on the six man tag match. I was there live in person, hotter than hell. You guys did get the win, but that set the stage for next weekend, September 24th in Deer Park. What was the the impetus for that promo? What made you dress up as Dickie and throw some shade his way? Do you, you just want to get under his skin? Yeah, man, you got to play a little bit of mind games. You got to get him, like, you know, all sorts of emotions before, you know? Uh, but that was just something different because if you go back all year, uh, I used to have these very aggressive and yelling down your throat promos. And then... I went to, you know, a little sarcasm after the first match we had. And now, you know, I got to joke around with him. I got to get under his skin. I got to get him I gotta get him all flustered before a match, you know. You got to get in his head. That's what a good heel does. So Dickie Rods has been doing this since his debut in 2000. So I'm going to list his resume. I'm sure you know it, but I'm just going to put it out there. 22 years of experience, a three-time NYWC champion, 
a two-time interstate champion, a three-time MYWC tag champ, a lot of gold, a lot of experience, and of course, cherry on top of it all, he's part of the class of 2022 of the MYWC Hall of Fame. Are you using this opportunity to level up and show people truly out with the old and with the new? I'm taking his spot in this company. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the the track record alone, it's so long, but that means he's been a part of this for so long. Also, it's time for somebody else to, to you know, grab that spot. And I feel like I already have. I feel like every time I step out there, people always always satisfied after I'm done. They got their money's worth. Or they always come up to me like, yo, I came for your match. Like, I think it's time for somebody else to be the face of NYWC. And we will see next week, and I'll be there in the building. If you guys see me, come say hi. Sal, I'll come say hi and say hi to you. And hopefully it's after a win. I'm secretly rooting for you. So uh, <laughs> you've been working matches as a singles competitor. That's predominantly what you do. But you're involved in tag match as well. Traditional six-man tag. The Bourbon Brawl saw you team with the specialist to beat Dickie Rods and his crew. My question for you is what's the main difference aside from the physicality, the cardio aspect of it when you're competing as a duo trios or when you're in a match, I guess, as a singles competitor, uh, as a singles competitor, in my opinion, it's supposed to be, obviously you're working with the other guy. Um, cause that's what it is to work, but it's at certain times, it's all eyes on me. I'm the guy. And then in a tag or in a trios match, for my instance right now, the specialists, they are brand new students, and it's my job to get them ready to be in front of a camera. Even if, like, say they're not ready, but they're in front of the camera already, it's my job to make them prepared and to get them comfortable. So at this point, it's just like, it's not always about me in the tag matches. I'm supposed to have them prepared. I'm supposed to have them ready to go. And quite frankly, they, they take all the bumps for me. I don't have to do <laughs> what made what made them catch your eye when i guess when they were coming to train did you know them prior to going training or did they be like you're like this would be perfect put them in some track suits they would look amazing at my side i uh i meet everybody almost everybody uh through training so i did not know them prior but it was a an idea that me and uh the promoters had and it was basically something to help produce my character more and the promoters were very on board with it. And then we like it was supposed to be somebody else and then this person, but we finally got the two that fit the job. And I'll be honest, I was very like reluctant at first. I was like, I don't know if this is gonna help me. I don't know if it's gonna be like damaging to me. But after like the first uh, night, I was like, this is gonna work. And especially like the story that we have right now, it it, it actually cannot fail. It's going to work no matter what. Just we'll see how it works, you know? Yeah, tried and true formula. You have guys that have to go through them to get to you, and now you're this big bad villain that's waiting there. For If someone wants to get to you, they have to go through the specialist. So I love the setup. I mean, we can go back, use Team Angle back in the day where, you know, the Team Angle with Shelton Benjamin and, and Charlie Haas or even go with the Edgeheads. Like, I know that was a little before I think you were watching in 09 with – Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder, they were the Edgeheads dressing up as Edge in his feud with Taker. So to have that, I guess, speed bump to get to you is awesome. And I think that also speaks to where you are on the card. That they, you're, they can't just ask for you. They have, to, they have to beat someone to get to you. Yeah, definitely. And I think, it more, but more importantly, it gives 
other people a chance to shine. It gives them importance. It's not always about me. Like then again, like let's get real here. It's a team effort. They're right. doing their best to help me. I'm doing their best, my best to get them prepared. I want them to have this spotlight too. I want them to feel good after they come through the curtain. That's a great mindset. So I'm thinking about some common beliefs in wrestling, and this may be a challenging question to answer on the spot, but maybe you have an answer for me. What's a commonly held belief about pro wrestling that you passionately disagree with? I have one as a fan. Talk about people say it's fake, that blah, 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 all that stuff. What's something that, as, as someone who's in the business right now, what's something that you hear all the time from people, whether they're in the business or out, that you disagree with vehemently and you want to put them on blast? Uh, I don't really know because I, I try my best not to like to talk, you know, to do the whole politics stuff. I'm always that guy that goes to my promoters, thank you very much, goes to my opponents, thank you. Um, I think nothing really comes to mind that I disagree with, but one thing I heavily, uh, fully believe, and I wish everybody would be on the same page, maybe if they didn't think about it before, is that we're working together. Where everybody and we're all dressed in tight underwear. <laughs> so all of this nonsense and stuff, like just let it go. We're in underwear. We're touching each other. We're <laughs> entertainment, and they're giving us reactions in return. In my opinion, everyone should be happy. Should I clip this and put it as a reel and say Sal Savelli shoots on the CM Punk elite situation? No. Everyone just be happy. Yeah, no, 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 I do want to work for a big company one day. No, I won't do that. But no, you're right. I think some of the egos are getting away. But it's a tale as old as time. Go back to the days with Hogan and Macho Man. Everybody that wants to be the best, they get upset at each other. And they eventually, it comes to head. And the best part of wrestling is when there's like this creative tension. Tony Khan talked about it in the press conference following CM Punk's diatribe. The creative tension creates the best. Talk about Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Those dudes couldn't stand each other but they made magic in the ring because they're able to put their differences aside to make some money. And I hope we could see that down the line with the drama we're seeing elsewhere. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, yes, when there is tension, there is room for greatness in my opinion, just like the Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, the edge and Matt Hardy. I mean, yeah, good point. I think because there is a sense of realism being in there. Like example is me and Jaden in that finals match for the, uh, the tournament. We were, literally at each other in that ring and it was 100 percent real for us in that moment so if you take real world and you put it into that story you're just gonna get even bigger reactions you're gonna have a masterpiece yeah man that match i I recommend you guys go and find that if it's out there on youtube i'm not sure but that is an amazing match but every time i mention and i'll mention again Jaden vallow and yourself you guys put on great matches this one from i think from Two years ago, I think I, I don't know exactly the event you guys were at, but again, you got the win there, and you know, with the Savelli special right in his chin, uh, a great ending. But you guys just you guys click really well. You could tell that you're both competing to be better than each other, but in the best way possible. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so me and Jaden, um, when we came back from the pandemic, we had our big uh, summer of love home, uh, not homecoming, but like you know, coming back from uh, to live shows. So we were six man tagging we won that main event and then i was asked who do you want to work and before like they could even finish their their, their question i was like i want to work Jaden. so we had this whole Jaden Valor south source valley uh best of three series and we just kept on going back and forth and i think 
that time from last year until this past uh, May in our finals match. The four matches we had just elevated us. But if you go back, not a lot of people know this. We wrestled each other training on shows, on birthday party shows. We had a tryout for Impact, uh, gut check. We wrestled each other there. It's it's like we're, we're literally attached at the hip at that point. <laughs> That's awesome. And you could see it in the ring that you guys speak to each other and you're willing to go the extra mile and lay it in a little bit thicker when you trust the guy in the ring. With those chops, they hit a little bit harder. Those suplexes land a little bit harder because you both trust, trust each other to take care of each other. But also you're stepping up your game because you know that you want to be better than the last time you guys were in the ring. And I think it's awesome. Yeah, definitely. He He's no joke. If he wants to like produce something, he'll do it. And then you'll get like, oh, this guy's like, I'm not going to let him hit me. And you hit him and he, he has the same mindset. You just go back and forth, but you, you get in the back and everything's all good. Yeah, you get the the chop meat chest like Brian Danielson does with all the yeah. all the red and all that. But I give you guys a lot of credit. That's tough. But when, once the adrenaline's going, I'm sure you don't feel it until about an hour after you're done in the ring. It's a nice little trophy. Like I used to, I go to work sometimes. I'm like, yo, guys, look what happened. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> That's amazing. So we mentioned influences in the ring. You mentioned AJ Styles, Shawn Michaels. Who is your mentor or wrestling role model that you're currently interfacing with on? whatever it be, a monthly basis or bi-monthly basis, who is that person to you and who are you leaning on when, when things get a little bit tougher, you're you're racking your brain for ideas? Yeah, definitely. So uh, one of my best friends, uh, Michael Mastretta, definitely, because I don't know why, but he just, he has that, that mind. He's always like, do it this way, do it that way. I'm like, all right, cool. Um, but the one, the, like, the one person that I always like seek for their approval or their thumbs up is probably Bull Bull James, <laughs> just because he's my uh, initial trainer. So I always gravitate towards like his his upbringing, his teachings, you know, on my upbringing. So is that a message after the match that if he's there, you're just going up to him in person, or are you sending him tape? How do, what is that interaction? I know he's a busy dude. Yeah, very busy. So I, I don't blow up his phone too much, and I don't. Maybe he doesn't know that I look up to him that much, but it is true. Every once in a while, I just always text him. Hey man, whatever you need on your show, I'm there for it. Whatever, and he's like, "Cool, thanks a lot." Uh, every time I have a match on his show, how'd you like it? Did it, uh, my my go-to is how'd you like it for your product? That's what I always ask because, yeah, they can like the match, but maybe they don't like it for the product that they're giving. So I I always go out of my way to make sure that the product that he wants to give is what I'm giving. Hundred percent, and you know, Outlaw Pro Wrestling—they offer a a buffet of different things. Most of the stuff you're seeing there is what you see in the Indies, but they have a different flair to it. We mentioned in the beginning there is a difference between Outlaw and New York Wrestling Connection. I think that's purposeful. I think they're trying to be a little bit different in a good way. Like that show outside in the brewery, the show inside in the brewery—that was awesome too. Yeah. Different aesthetic. It's a different feel than any other indie that I've been to. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's just when there's alcohol. There's no room for failure in my <laughs> That's true. Yeah, and those beer those beers hit hard. Some of those uh some of those summer ales are like six point seven, seven percent alcohol, so people yeah. are getting loose pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so we mentioned it prior, and you don't have to discuss it in, in detail if you don't want, but two thousand twenty two has been crazy as far as news go. You can touch on everything that's ha- happened from January on, whether it be Cody Rhodes, the Vince McMahon stuff, the AEW stuff, the news cycle truly never stops. You mentioned following wrestling through that platform whether it be instagram or twitter but are you following the drama in the aw locker room and do you have a general opinion on 
their ability to work through this crisis and working cohesively in the locker room. You can be more general about working through your differences if you have one with somebody in the ring. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so my always my reaction is, damn, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's great because it, it is. It's weird. Um, but yeah, so the whole thing with uh, whatever happened at the pay-per-view, the press conference, I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Can't believe can't believe that's actually happening and then on tv they vacate the belts this and that and i'm like oh wow i mean what was the point of doing all this and so i'm always like damn that's crazy because <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to give my opinion because i shouldn't have an opinion as a person in the real world i'm not a part of that situation with those real life people <laughs> so just stay, stay in my own lane was your initial reaction that it was a work? Because that's been like in this in the podcasting, wrestling, Instagram community. Everyone's like, it's a work. It's a bigger story. Did you initially have that reaction or you were like, no, this is more deep. There's deeper than we actually th- do you actually think about it. The MJF one, I was like, oh, is it a work? Is it a shoot? Is it a work? Is it a shoot? I was like marking out. I know. I know the the punk one. I'm pretty sure it's a shoot. Like, oh, 100 percent. At this but- point, I mean, there's no way you don't vacate the titles and don't address it on TV unless it's. But even like on the first, uh, the the promo he cut in the ring when he uh he called out Hangman Adam Page, yeah, that was like, and then he didn't come out, and I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a shoot. Like so from the beginning, I was like, yeah, that was a confusing time. Like when when Hangman cut that promo, not to go too far into the weeds here, because I still got questions about your career, but like the stuff that that promo was weird. Cause like he didn't say anything that Eddie Kingston didn't say. He didn't say anything that other guys haven't said in the past that he just wants to save AEW from him. It seemed bizarre to have that reaction and maybe, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, getting permission to say something a little sensitive in the ring goes a long way. Maybe Eddie Kingston got prior authorization to say, I'm going to say X, Y, and Z to you. Is that cool? And hangman didn't, maybe that's where the line was drawn. Maybe I'm not sure. I know, like you saying that, yeah. Uh, whenever I would cut a promo, I'd always like be like, "Hey, is it cool? Tell me if I'm going overboard." I'll cut the promo, and I'm like, "Did you like it? I, I can cut a new one." So that that is very true. That's what I do. But if you go back to like the Rock and Cena days, like Cena did that with the promo on the wrist, like that was off the hip, and that was like real heat. So you never really know. I mean, then again, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission because. He said it. There it goes. You get ratings. People are watching. So at the end of the day, you're doing your job. Just people get a little you know, hurt sometimes, I guess. Yeah, they get a little sensitive. Let's just say that. Uh, but they did pop the two biggest ratings we've seen on Dynamite in a while. They've been over a million for the last two Wednesdays. So something to be said about that. Is yeah. it sustainable? Who knows? But I think if you bring those guys back to TV and put them in a program, I mean, it 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 pays for itself. FTR and CM Punk versus the Bucks and Hangman, dude. Or and the Bucks and and Kenny, mm-hmm. that would you could have on a pay per view with a six man tag uh, with the trios belts like it'd be amazing. Yeah, so it is, there's a lot to work with if they're willing to work. Hundred percent. So going back to uh, the world of Sal Savelli, what's one piece of advice that you would give to someone starting out as a pro wrestler? It could be you know something that you would have wished you could have told yourself four years ago going into it, or something that maybe that you wish that someone would have told you. Um, do whatever you are told in front of said person who told you. So if I am told by Bull to do a headlock a certain way, and Bull is watching my match, I'm going to do it that way. But then, if I'm in front of, say, uh, Kevin Sullivan, 
And Kevin Sullivan says, try this, son. Okay, I'm going to try it this way. And also, don't ask for um, feedback or advice from multiple people in the locker room. Like, say you have a match and you get back. Um, I wouldn't go from person A, B, and C and ask for their feedback because I'm going to get three different flavors of ice cream. Right. And then I'm going to use one the next time. And then the two people that told me their flavor are going to be annoyed because I wasted their time. Cause, and that tells that person, I don't need your advice. You know, it's, it's a tough situation to be in because you're not intentionally doing it. But so just like ask for one person's advice maybe and then listen to everybody and pick and choose when you do it. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could apply that in all aspects of your life. If you have a friend that comes to you and you realize they asked the same question from 10 other people and he's not listening to you, why would you even take the time to even think about your response if he's going to go to 10 other people? So yeah. yeah. Um, going to independent pro wrestling, I believe, and I'm biased to it. I always, I support it in any way I can buying the merch for the independent wrestlers. And by the way, that yellow shirt you're rocking, that needs to be put on pro wrestling tees like right away. Cause that's a <laughs> sick shirt. Um, I think it's the best because it's everything and at its core, it's stripped down uh, to wrestling at its spirit. The interaction pre-match, during the match, even after the match at the merch table. It's so much fun. If you guys haven't been to a independent wrestling show, if you're Northeast, check out New York Wrestling Connection, Victory Pro Wrestling, Create a Pro, Outlaw. If you're not in the Northeast, because I know a lot of our tavern listens are elsewhere, Look up your local indies and support them in a lot of ways. It doesn't have to be if the, the ex-WWE guy came to town. Support the amazing talent that's there. But back to the question, do you have any stories about interesting interactions with fans at these indie shows? You mentioned working as a heel. Is there a couple fans that take it a little too seriously? Or you know, any interesting interactions? You've been in the business for four years. I'm sure you have a few. Uh, yeah, I guess like it's all love at the end of the day. Because um, that's, that's the message of the world now. Like spread love, so we all we all are on the same understanding of what is being done for that night. There are certain times though when, and in real life, like if I'm in the crowd or if I'm like going to the crowd from the other side of the guardrail, uh, and they get too rowdy, but they overstep in certain ways, like they try grabbing, or they try like spitting or spilling. That's when I get like on my nerves. So then. Like, there was some interaction where it was uh, – I'm not going to say who ha- what happened to who, but it was somebody that I know. And, like, they got they got tugged on because, I guess, the spot was happening. They kept on tugging on them. That made me mad. It was like, yo, calm down. Like, we all know what's happening. If something happens and you think, oh, is that part of it? It's probably a part of it. It probably is. So don't overstep and don't be that guy, especially if you get a couple of drinks in. Like, in real life – Nobody likes that guy. So in my in my presence, like don't overstep and don't do anything stupid because I will go up to you and tell you to calm down. Yeah. I mean, you can see that at independent wrestling shows. There's people. It's an interesting crowd. The wrestling fans at large, are, they're an eclectic group of people. There's some people that don't know their boundaries. You could look at some of the interactions they have at autograph signings and, you know, the bigger things like Fan Fest and, you know, those are creepy pictures with like Alexa Bliss and stuff. But yeah, yeah. Wrestling fans can be weird, and you know, take this in mind from the biggest stage of them all, where the guy attacks Seth Rollins or the dude they ran in the ring uh, with Bret Hart. Like, mm-hmm. guys, it's part of the show. Please don't go above the barricade because you're going to get hurt. And that's the thing is like, 
Sal Savelle is going to drop that sweet chin music and he's not going to pull anything. He's not going to thigh slap you at all. He's going to hit it right in your, right in your teeth. So don't go across that barricade. I, I'm not, I'm not a physical guy. Don't, <laughs> I try to be very, you know, not aggressive, but I wouldn't want to hit anybody, but please don't make me. Yeah. So you got to support the boys, but uh, all joking aside. So how do you want to be remembered in pro wrestling? When all said and done, you hang up the boots and things are, you know, you're closing the book on your career. How do you want to be remembered when it's all said and done? I would like to be a guy that new up and comers look up to how I, not to the same level of Shawn Michaels, but to look up to me and try to take whatever I used that helped me out and make that a part of like their uh, aura what they base their careers off of. I just want to be something to look up to. Awesome. And you're off to a great start too. I mean, I, I could see the growth from the, the, the wrestling I've seen, you know, you guys go to YouTube and check out his matches. He also posts some of them on Twitter and posts links. You guys can check them out. And again, you guys could see the scroll going past. You could follow him on Instagram and Twitter. That's where you're mostly at, right? You're also, do you have a Facebook as well that you post some things? I do have a Facebook. It's my full name. So I'm Twisted Billy. Um, yeah, yeah. Facebook for like, my friends and family and my family's friends because they like to support. And quite frankly, I like to be the guy from, from I'm from Lennonhurst. So Lennonhurst produces, uh, you know, football players like Jeremy Ruckus and the jets. I would like to be like the guy from Lennonhurst who made it as a professional wrestler. So I use Facebook as a, a friends and family aspect, but Instagram is like my whole like website. If Instagram was a website, I try, I'm trying to get to a thousand followers like small milestones, but that's where I I'm consistent on every single day. So guys follow him on Instagram and check out everything he's doing. And who knows, maybe come to a town near you, control your narratives, going to Canada, who knows where else he's going to be booked. I think the, the sky's the limit for you. And as we approach the end of this interview, uh, part of this show and the reason why we do things like this is to talk about future stars such as yourself and wrestling seems to have more young talent than ever. Who are three wrestlers right now that you'd recommend for people to check out if they don't know about them already? Uh, I'm going to give you more than three. because you know, I love that. I love uh, Joey Conway, Michael Mistretta, Man Bun Jesus, Jaden Vallow, obviously. Um, don't sleep on, on Slimeball Sage Chance. That kid is hilarious. Love that guy. I actually just reached out to him to be on an interview like this, both of them. So I love that. I'm, I think I'm going to be having them on soon. No, no confirmation yet, but sometime in October. I'll definitely talk to them and, and tell them to do it. Um, but yeah, uh, because those are my, my boys, my homegrown boys. So Awesome. So guys, check them out. Support independent wrestling any way you guys can. So I want to thank you for joining me. Before I let you go, there's one more thing. I want you to put yourself out there. Give me a few things people should expect from you for the rest of 2022 and 2023 going forward for Salvatore Savelli and his brand. I would... I will be working towards wrestling the SAT um, and just being all over. I want to get to the whole country uh, eventually. and make, I'm going to Canada, so I'm going to be out of the country. Uh, and then I really am working towards a championship and then eventually getting signed. So I'm in front of the cameras and TVs nationwide. Awesome. That's a great goal to have. And you guys remember to follow Sal Savelli on Twitter and Instagram. You guys, I'll include it in the description here as well. You can see it scrolling past. And I want to hype up the match one more time because it's a big deal. I'll be in the building for this. It's going to be an awesome night. September 24th, last man standing. Salvatore Savelli versus Dickie Rods. The match to end it all. Last man standing. 
Who's going to collapse first? Sal says it's going to be Dickie. Is it going to be out with the old and with the new? Or is Dickie Rods going to have one last time in the sun? We will see what happens September 24th. It's going to be a great night of wrestling. So do not miss it till I collapse NYWC. Yeah, man, it's going to be great. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Dude, I want to thank you again for being on here. And the offer stands, I know we said it off air. We do a debate show here in the tavern. So if you ever want to be a part of that, we'll send you a message and just a guest spot. You can come on. It's about an hour long show where we talk about all the different topics in wrestling, the hot button issues. If you want to get in there and work on some of the podcast chops and do it, you're more than welcome to. Definitely, man. I also want to start my own podcast. So great. I appreciate it. Well, listen, you send that information to me. I'll hype it up. You're a friend for life, man. This was an awesome conversation. You're the best, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. I want to thank you guys for watching another Visits the Tavern. Please follow me at Acefield Retro. Again, Turnbuckle Tavern. You guys can stay up to date on our social media for future guys on here. We may have the Slimeball guys on here. Who knows who else is going to be joining us. But again, thanks for watching. Happy Sunday. We'll see you next week.